Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. Welcome to the Clutter Fairy Weekly for January 12th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly webcast and podcast is our conversation to talk about all things organizing, and we're so glad that you're here to listen to us talk. Um, we use all the comments for all kinds of things to support our discussions on the channel, and so we really appreciate that you guys make the time to make all those comments. If you're joining us in Zoom for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail addresses them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature to let me know that you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. And we encourage that. <laughs> We're streaming the webcast live on Facebook. So you can also share your questions and comments there and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the live webcast every Tuesday, you can talk to us directly by calling 669-900-6833. Use meeting ID 993-419-863 and password clutter to join the meeting. We're following up today on last week's homework assignment. Last week, we suggested that you think over your daily, daily life and pick an item that you frequently lose track of and assign it a permanent resting place. And then we ask you to spend the week trying to use the new place. So we want to follow up on that and hear, hear how it went for you. We did get one comment on the page that um, uh, Craig, right? Was yeah. that the correct name? Yeah. Craig that said that he didn't do it this week. It was a, a story of a way that he had adapted previously, which was um, he was always losing his keys. And so he determined that he would always put his keys in his uh, front right pocket of his jacket. And so he's been doing that for two decades now. And no matter where he is, the keys go in the front right pocket of the jacket. And he always knows where the keys are, which I thought was really great. And it has worked for him for all this time. And he stopped losing his keys as soon as he decided to pick that uh, landing space. And so in essence, he's keeping it wherever the jacket is. And so I guess his only challenge is where's my jacket. But beyond that, then he always knows that the keys are there. And so that saves a lot of um, frustration and anxiety for him, I'm sure. Appreciate the story, Craig. Thank you. Yeah. And I use a similar, similar approach. My house keys are in either of two places. They are either in the front right pocket of whatever pants shorts whatever i have on the lower half of my body they're in the front right <laughs> pocket if i'm in a swimsuit the only exception then they're in whatever bag i'm carrying if i'm in the house they're in one little cubby hole where we organize keys and wallets and things like that and that's where they always are right so i can always find them i think keys are like phones they're one of the things that you have to have to get out of the house. And when you're in a rush and you can't find your keys, it's so distressing. And it just immediately spikes up your panic level, stress level. Ugh, it makes your day frantic and frazzled. And it is the worst thing. So if you can figure out a way to, this is where my keys go every day. And it's always something that you have to have the keys to get into the house. But after you're in the house, you don't need the keys again until you go back out of the house. That's the point of the key. So it's uh, something that you should figure out a way to take care of as soon as you come in. And then uh, they're right there when you, as soon as you're ready to go back out there, right there. And I have a 
key hook that's right next to the front door and the keys I come in and the keys go right there. And a lot of people skip that step and then they suffer because of it. Mary says that the, the trouble things have her for her have always been keys and reading glasses. And she has a pocket in her purse that she's used for 30 plus years. And she uses a coffee mug for pens and readers and both work well. There you go. You just have to, it's just like the car. You just got to have a parking space for it. (laughs) One that you're willing to use and treat as inviolate, right? Like you don't want to put your readers into a cup and then shove a whole bunch of other stuff in there too. You want to be able to get the readers in and out. So it needs to be a system that's designed for what you keep losing and that you keep populating it so that you can go back and get it every time. Um, And that's the trick. Uh, So feel free to, to pipe in if you've uh, if you if you did the homework and you have more feedback for us, but let's get on to our main topic, which today is nests, empty or otherwise, reclaiming and surrendering <laughs> space. This was inspired by several different viewer and listener comments and questions. Yeah, today's topic comes from Angela from this past December, actually. Um, She asked us to talk about how the needs change with an empty nest. And it got me thinking about making changes and adjustments in general as your life and your needs change over time. So over the course of your life, you have many stages of living. Um, As a younger person, maybe you're alone or married and you don't have kids yet. And you're having lots of parties with friends. You're doing lots of entertainment. Then you're married with kids and you need to support the kids activities. You don't get to have as many parties. Instead, you're having, um, you're the host of a lot of family dinners and family events with your extended family, maybe instead of your friends and your late night uh, carousing parties. (laughs) They shift gears. Um, Then the kids leave the house and you're in the proverbial empty nest and you have a lot of rooms that are no longer serving their original purpose that, uh, of housing the kids and the kids activities. And then at some point in your life, you're gonna be downsizing to a space where others can help you care for yourself. All of these seasons of life have a preferred and a supportive environment that makes living in that particular time of your life work well. And sometimes we find ourselves in the new season of our life, but we're living in a house that supports the old season. That's why lots of parents wake up one day in a house that's completely devoted to raising kids And they don't have any kids in the house and then they feel kind of lost and sad. It's always very weird living through your life's transitions. So back to Angela's original comment, how needs change with an empty nest. If you've moved every time your life transitioned, if you had moved or would move every time your life transitioned, you'd be triggered automatically to make these changes. You would um, be confronted with new rooms and a new list of here's what I need to do right now. And then you would design those rooms around what was happening right now. But if you have experienced these life transitions and you're not moving at the same time, then you have to notice the shift in your needs all by yourself. And you have to plan to accommodate that. So when kids leave the house, you've got a lot of systems that are no longer needed, and you have some empty rooms that have the lingering scent of prior activity, but there's nothing actually happening now. And this is truly every parent's saddest moment. Part of accepting the changes is acknowledging the passing of the old use of the empty rooms 
and envisioning a new use for those spaces. So let's talk about that process a bit. Every house that I go into, I start asking questions about things that people see in the house. Like I'll go over to in the corner of a room and say, what's in those boxes? Or what's in that cabinet? Or have you opened this closet lately, closet door lately? And a lot of times I get sort of blank stares because they uh, we get used to how things are and they've actually become background landscape to us. So if you're feeling like you're in an empty nest or you think that some of your rooms have gotten stale and stopped being used for whatever reason, then it's time to see them again. You're gonna have to make an effort to stand in front of those rooms and go, okay, I know this is what this room has been used for before, but let's see if I can see it as something, as a new space, as a fresh space, what would I like to do with it now? So it has an assigned use. And if you imagine that you just moved in today and the room was empty, what would you consider using the room for? What new part of your life could be incorporated into that room? What things or furniture or items that have been stored there can be released because of the change of your life seasons, because things are shifting for you? A kid's room can be converted to a guest room so that they can still come to sleep there over the summers when they're home from school, but the room can be used by you for something else. Sure, the kids don't like the idea of being booted out of the house, but since that's the actual goal that they launch their new life and uh, taking care of themselves as viable adults, then reclaiming their room for another purpose sends a pretty clear signal that it's time for them to move on. Whether you do this when they leave for college or when they graduate, it's up to you. You might want some of them to get used to the idea that going to college isn't a long holiday and then they come home. I imagine my niece and nephew, and they are both in various stages of college. One of them is, is a senior and he's about to graduate and they're at school and then they come home and, the, and particularly in 2020, that everybody came home. <laughs> nobody got to stay at school. Nobody got to do the typical transition. Everyone uh, came home and did school from home or they were at on campus for a period, a short period of time, and then they were home for longer holiday season. So 2020 jacked up everything, right? But they are in that process where, okay, I get it. Do you really want to live at home when you come home from school? When you graduate from college, do you really want to move back into your parents' house and still be a kid? And for some kids, I think that that's the safe default answer. And for some kids, they're much more inclined to, I want to be out of the house, I want to be gone. So you may have to modify how you deal with this based on how your kids react <laughs> to the process and how much coaching you want to give them about moving out. But basically the idea is just because they lived in the room for a decade or two decades almost doesn't mean that they get to keep it forever. You own the house and it's your room. <laughs> so when you're ready to shift its purpose, you get to do it. And looking at that room as a blank slate, even though it's covered in your kid's stuff, you can still imagine laying white paper over everything and going, okay, here's the new space that's blank and empty. How do I want to use this room? 
and maybe you want to have a guest room again. Maybe you want people to be able to come and sleep. And of course, your kids are going to come and sleep some, but they can sleep in what has been redefined as a guest quarter instead of decorated as their room. And so adjusting to how much of that you want to convert and what purposes you want to use that room for gets to be your choice and your journey about how you change things around. I have a, a lot of friends that have craft rooms and they've been waiting for their kids to grow up so that they can have a dedicated craft room that they can go and do crafts in and maybe it's a guest slash craft room so they're going to pull all the kids stuff out and reset up as a craft room and have a bed in there so somebody can sleep and you know maybe the kids are going to freak out about it <laughs> but <clears throat> if you're the person that's living in the house and you're the one that's going to spend 100 percent of the time in there then those rooms should reflect what it is that you wanted to do, right? And it's a similar change in reverse. I have to, I have to acknowledge that one of the other comments was um, having kids move back home. Of course, we did it during the pandemic, but it does happen. It has happened where kids graduate, they go off to college, they start their life. They're three or four years in and they lose a job. Or they decide they want to go back to graduate school or they something's going on and they have to part of the adaption and the plan is to live rent free at their parents house again to move back home so that they can make this next transition stage for themselves and if they negotiate that with you and you are willing for them to come home again, then uh, you may have to deconstruct a room that's you know, this was my office or this was my guest room and now it has to be a kid's room again. Um, you may have to do this process in reverse as well. But I think the lesson here, the discussion here is imagining the space as something new to support whatever season of your life is happening. And the roadblocks are about our attachment to how things were and in the example of an empty nest where the parents are adjusting to kids being gone, uh, deconstructing their room can be emotionally fraught. It can be distressing and it can upset the kids as well. But keeping it as an homage, as a memory room to their life as little kids isn't really helping anybody. So <laughs> um, ultimately, it makes people stay in what was and not look towards what is or what can be in the future. Yeah. And it's time to, you know, make this change and shifting that room is a big way to send a lot of signals to everybody that things are shifting. I think that people get very nostalgic and also trapped in habits. And in fact, maybe nostalgia is a sort of a mental habit. It's a hat it's a habitual way of thinking about things. Good point. Um, Bonnie says, I have finally cleared out the kids things now have two guest bedrooms. I found early on that I needed to get rid of some of the furniture or I would just use it to put things in <laughs> empty drawers and cabinets. Right. And if you think of a guest room, like think about how little furniture there is in a hotel room. You go in the hotel room and there's like one surface and one thing with cabinets and a bed and a nightstand and the end. Unless you're staying in a palatial suite somewhere for a whole bunch of money, 
any hotel room is the bare minimum amount of furniture for you to function. And I think that you can sort of keep that picture in mind when you're trying to create your guest rooms at home. That's a really good point. And it's got a lot of practical benefits. It's mm -hmm. easy to navigate for someone who wakes up in the middle of the night in an unfamiliar room. It's great mm -hmm. if they don't have to trip over anything getting out of bed and finding their way to the to the bathroom when walking a narrow little narrow path is really um, a hassle when you're trying to roll in a piece of luggage like people yeah. that come to stay with you are bringing luggage with them they're there it's like they're going to a hotel for them it's a hotel experience and so making it easy for them to bring their stuff in and open their luggage and hang up their clothes for a night or a week or however long they stay with you it just is going to make their experience easier South Dakota mama says, I ask myself, what do I want in my new house? She puts new, oh. house, in, new house in quotation marks. And that's, that's, uh, that's a great idea. That's, uh, you, you sort of suggested that it's excellent visual. Look at it with, look at the space with fresh eyes, set aside your habits of how you've thought about the place. Yeah. And what you want to have instead. And, you know, every mom you, the kids have a play area. The kids have a media room nowadays. The kids have their own bedrooms. The kids have their own bathrooms. Like they, they use their portion of the house just like the adults do. But when the kids don't live there anymore and they're not intending to live there anymore, they're now grownups and they're going to go have their own lives and their own relationships and their own families, then you know, reclaiming those rooms to be something else can only – support you in moving on in growing in expanding your possibilities in seeing your life in a new way yes it's super sad for moms who have spent two decades being a mom and their job has been raising kids and thinking about kids and dealing with kids there's that whole purpose and assignment that you take on when you have children that lasts until they're grown-ups and then you wake up one day and you're out of a job <laughs> and so the truth is and you know from vast experience that you're never actually out of the job because they keep coming to you as mom no matter what but the way that you deliver those services definitely changes the way that you be mom and then later grandmom is different than the way you are actively raising kids with little kids that require um, supervision. And so this is where you get to uh, acknowledge and integrate the idea that your assignment and your job about those kids has now changed and your ability to interact with them is a hundred percent different and is going to be along a different tra trajectory and is not going to be about interacting with them 24 seven in your own home. And so you can signal for yourself that change by looking at those rooms and yeah, you become upper management. <laughs> exactly. That's a good one. You can look at the, those rooms and imagine how it could be different for you and what new you can add into your life and think about your, what's your new assignment? What's your new job? You're not going to be the mom anymore. You're going to be, well, you are going to be the mom. You're not going to be the active everyday involvement mom. You're going to be the hands off, stand back a little bit, not in the same house mom. And later you're going to be grandma, which is all going to be the same thing. And you can see what you can do instead. 
what what would you like to add in at this point? How would you like to reclaim uh, some of your own goals and your own interests and your own hobbies at this point? And making those transitions physically can help you make those transitions mentally. They can make that process easier or move it along or help you get through it. It's a good visual representation of the mental work that you're doing to adjust to that the job has changed. And the same thing happens when, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, but the person that came on today and said they were on for the first time said that she had downsized from a big house to an apartment and she's been doing that for five years. She's been getting rid of stuff for five years because they had lived in the house for a long time. And so she's imagined her new life. She's in a new space and she has been shedding, shedding, shedding her old life. And how great to imagine, hey, now that I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have to be in this big house. I don't have to take care of all this stuff. I don't have kids in the house. Now I can imagine what I want my life to be instead. And what I want is I want to be in this apartment and I want to be responsible for less. And I want to have this look um, decorated pretty how I like it so that it makes me happy. And you can shift your gears into here's my next stage of life. It's a long road for moms, I know. <laughs> A couple of, couple of anecdotes from viewers on that. Diane says, we've had one go off to live on campus, come back, then off to live out of the country for study abroad. And then I think she uh, she says between apartments, et cetera. So I think back, she's probably that one has been back between apartments. But think she is put at her place now, maybe, we think. <laughs> so, well, and you know, back in the day, I couldn't wait to move out of my mother's house. Like, and I loved my mother to death. I loved her so much. And I could not like at 18, I was like, I'm going to college. And I never intended to go back to her house. Never, ever. And times have changed, right? Like it's yeah. harder to launch nowadays and it takes more money and you have to have um, more going on and you have to be more mature. And, you know, the, the situation isn't exactly the same as it was when I was in school, but yeah. to me, it wasn't nearly as important to be able to get back to living with the benefits that my mother had. It was more important for me to be living on my own and having my own life. But I think kids don't see it that way anymore. They would rather come where the, you know, the Netflix is good and the Wi-Fi is really strong and they don't have to pay for it. And so I think, you know, the, the, their parents' house looks pretty cush compared to making their way in their in the world alone. And I think that um, we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of sort of in and out for a while nowadays. Like the kids go away and they come back and they go away and they come back. And it takes them a while to go, yeah, yeah, I really do want to be an adult. And I don't want to be sitting in my mother's house, you know, and trying to go date and get laid. Like that seems, you know, <laughs> so this is a process that is different now than it was when I was a kid, but I think that there's still something to be said for you can help signal the transition for your child by changing, by not leaving them a room that's waiting for them to step back into and still be a kid and adjusting to that change. They might grouse about it and complain, but you know, maybe that's the important, you know, now you're helping them transition. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> ginger on facebook says we went from empty nesters change space usage to guest slash office space mom living with us for past 14 years so the space became her bedroom and sewing room so she was an empty nester and then went back to 
Yeah, having it, having her having family a, there. Having live-in parent, yeah. And I think that th there's that middle-aged generation where you're responsible for kids growing up and you're also responsible for your aging parents. And so somewhere along that timeline, you may have one or both going on. Um, if you're lucky, you have the kids launch and then later the parents become more your responsibility. And, and likely the turnaround for your parents is going to be shorter. Uh, most of the time when a parent is coming to live with you, it's because they need um, more full-time support. And, and usually that's at the, uh, an end, end stage of their life. They're, um, you know, they're not going to be there for 20 years. They're going to be there for five or something like that. And so it's a, a more short-term commitment, but it's similar. Somebody's going to come in, they're going to be in a space, they're going to need um, your help to live and function. And so you will surrender a part of your house to let them be there and, and have your support. Can All this to say, they change the rooms, they keep changing. <laughs> yeah. Tammy says, after my daughter moved with her dad, I had a shrine. My friend told me it was a cemetery. I needed to hear the truth to let go and clean out. Oh my goodness. So it was a shrine, a shrine to the daughter. Yeah. Wow. Your friend was brave to tell you that it was a cemetery, but I get the visual very clearly. Like that's, yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, frankly, I think that it's one thing to, I mean, you don't have to do it the next day after they move out. Like there will be a, a point where you've grieved the loss and the change and then you go on to the next thing but at some point it's a trigger it's just an emotional dig to have the room be your kid's room and be completely empty and so part of accepting the change in the movement is deconstructing the, the room that is the visual reminder of the prior state that's the prior situation that is no longer there and is never going to be there again it's they're never going to be eight years old living in that room they're never going to be teenagers in that room again and so even if they come home it's going to be a completely different situation they're going to be adults trying to do adult things from their childhood bedroom in your house where you raised them as a kid and i think that that is a whole nother you know, ball of wax that it's not the great return to, you know, you're raising kids. And so even if you would wish for them to come home and be kids again, they, they may be coming home, but they're not going to be kids. And it's going to be a, a big shift in how you do things. Yeah. New, new terms to negotiate. <laughs> right. Exactly. Totally. And you may still be wanting to mother them and make them food and tell them to go to bed and they'll just be yelling at you about getting out of their business and hush up. And so <laughs> get ready. <laughs> oh, that says, whole move, go ahead. Uh, Bonnie says my motivation to keep decluttering is that we want to move to a smaller house across the country from where we are now to be near our daughters and families as we retire. Having lived here 29 years, there's lots to remove. I look at floor plans for smaller homes and use that as a goal to downsize to. That's a great idea. And, and that's actually, that happens for a lot of people. You start chasing the grandkids. My parents did the same thing. You want to move where the grandkids are because you want to see the grandkids all the time, but you sure don't want to live with the grandkids. So <laughs> you're going to go and get a house that's in the vicinity and then be near them. And so not taking anything with you that you don't need is this is a perfect time for the transition also includes a move 
And so the move forces you to look at everything and you get to filter, filter, filter and get rid and rid and rid. And so um, great opportunity to thin out the herd. And there isn't anything about all of the stuff that you have in the house that is super necessary for the new place. And so it's expensive to move stuff and your stuff isn't that valuable, right? Like 10% of your stuff is worth a lot of money or it costs you a lot of money or it has value because it's large or, or it's important one of a kind or, yeah. or one of a kind or whatever. And the other 90% is just a random daily stuff of living that can be replaced anywhere. And so it really needs to be worth it to move. And you also need to remember that what decor that works in the old house may not work in the new house. Maybe you want to use this move as an opportunity to change the way, like it doesn't all have to look exactly the same. You can decorate in a new way in a new house. And so don't drag with you a bunch of remnants of your old life. It's time to let those go at that moment of, you know, if there's a moving truck pulling up to your house, um, don't be taking a bunch of stuff over the, in the, into the moving truck that you're going to give away at the other end because it's not part of the, you know, new decor. And this is all about envisioning where you want to be instead of looking at where you are, right? If you filter everything through the vision of, I want to be, I want this new house to look with these colors or this kind of furniture or this style or, um, you know, I want it to be minimal or I want it to be crafty or however you envision it. The point is to focus from the point of view of where, where you're trying to go, not where you're coming from. And when you're deconstructing the old house, you'll be going through, oh, that was how the house was before. And I'll tell you that one of the things I did to cope with the fact that my, after my mother died and we deconstructed her house before we sold it was uh, the weekend of the funeral I went around the house and took pictures of all of the rooms because I just wanted to remember what the room looked like as mother had decorated it and how she lived in it. And that space, we were going to de deconstruct that and that space was never going to exist in the universe again. And so I took photos of all those rooms so that I could look at them and go, oh, I remember that kitchen or oh, I remember sitting there with mom. Oh, I remember, you know, being in here in the bedroom. And so those pictures allowed me to start taking stuff off the walls and boxing up, you know, as we deconstructed her house, it was really sad, of course, but it was necessary to empty the house. And we had to make decisions about everything in there that we touched. And Leisha and I couldn't, we couldn't each take our mother's house into our house. Like it wasn't, it was too much stuff. We each had our own houses. So <laughs> that deconstruction process whether it's one room because you've got an empty nest or whether it's a whole house because you're moving, there is some sadness with the loss of what was. And you have to temper that with focusing on what will be and what you wish for and taking things through that will go with the wishes, not honor what's passing. There's going to be some keepsakes, of course, but what I'm saying is don't just deconstruct your house and move it all to the new place, expecting to hang it all up exactly as it was in the old place because it won't all fit and it won't look the same and you won't be happy anyway. So it's time to imagine a new vision for the new place. Well, and, <laughs> and even the stuff that, you, you know, I don't have a lot of emotional attachment to furniture or household equipment but sometimes it is just a matter of of habit and so 
you know, you bought a piece of furniture because it solved a problem particularly well in this space. In that or corner or that room. The apartment that I had over by the high school mm -hmm. had no pantry whatsoever. And so we got some hand-me-down furniture from my sister that we turned into our pantry. But the reality was, well, the new place has a pantry and then it also had some up high storage that could be used for overflow for the pantry. And right. we, didn't, we didn't need those things. We did find a new use for the most useful of them. And then we got rid of the other one. I think a lot of times in the living space that we're in, we come up with a problem. We try to solve it. Maybe we want to solve it without spending money. So we create a solution. We do a makeshift solve. We, we come up with a, a, we reuse a piece of furniture. We recycle something. And we create a temporary fix that becomes a permanent fix. Or we create a solution that's good enough and we live with it. And those are the kinds of things that in any kind of transition, you have to look at that and go, well, this was just a makeshift problem solver. This isn't a heirloom piece of furniture that I have to worry about. This isn't something that I need to keep or drag to the next place. I'm not going to have the same problem in the new house. I'm going to have different problems. And so there's some amount of editing that you can do for the makeshift problem solution solving that you did that won't be a problem on the other end. And edit those things out if you can. You'll have new problems to solve. <laughs> You'll have new things to fix on the other end. And it, this is about moving, but this is also about, you know, the original topic about you have an empty nest, which means you have rooms, maybe one, two, three, four rooms, bedrooms and other rooms that were attached to the kids. Well, I'm thinking of Anne's house. They lived downstairs, the kids lived upstairs, and they had two bedrooms and a central room and a bathroom yeah. that were for the kids. And then when the kids left, it's like not only do we not need these rooms, but like, let's sell this house and get a smaller house. They didn't need that space because they weren't actively um, raising kids anymore. And so they could have, they could have stayed in the house and converted those rooms to something personally, but they decided that, yeah, they don't need that much space anymore. We're done. There's not four humans in the house. There's only two. And so let's cut half the house off. And they did. Lee says when I left for college, I was told by the time I was halfway up the street, they started changing out my room, came, <laughs> came back to visit and had to sleep on the couch. <laughs> I had, and I had a similar, similar experience, which was when I came back, my room had been turned into the room for one of my younger sisters. Oh, the kids now, expanded. Yeah. In fairness, three, the three youngest girls had shared a room up until that point. And, and I had a room of my own. So they were getting to graduate. Older kid. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, some moms would be aghast at the idea that, you know, as soon as the kid leaves the room, the room gets taken over for something else. But there and, and, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum of making that change and supporting your child and moving forward, um, it is certainly something that you can see as in addition to supporting you because you own the room and the house and you are the one that's still living there every day. You're supporting your own transition and you're also supporting your kids transition by making those changes and giving them the signal. You are now grown up. You don't live here anymore. This is, this is your home, but it's not your home. <laughs> this is your 
you know, this is your emotional home. We are always your parents, but this is not your permanent living quarters anymore. And you need to start thinking about it that way. Like now you're an adult, go take care of yourself. Call us when you're in trouble. And that's basically some version of that conversation gets had with all parents and kids. And I think it's just a matter of when and how stringent that conversation is, how forceful that conversation is. The big question is, can I still come back and do a load of laundry once in a while? <clears throat> right. Exactly. And truthfully, until my parents moved out of their last house, I still would come home and do a load of laundry every once in a while. <laughs> if I was in town, only if I was in town, <laughs> you know, just for old time's sake. Just for old time's sake. <laughs> okay. We need to move along because we're okay. running out of time. I'm going to come back to you for final thoughts on that, but first a couple of quick, quick announcements and then stay tuned everybody because we have another homework assignment for you. Yes. I mean, it's a not, not homework assignment because we're not using that word homework. <laughs> I want to remind our viewers and listeners that our YouTube channel has more than 150 videos on a wide variety of organizing topics. Do you have your signs ready? Oh, I do. Go to visit cfhou.com slash YouTube. While you're there, subscribe to the channel and click the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you'd like to get notifications when we post something new. I also want to say a very special thank you to Darby, who is our newest Patreon supporter. If you'd like to help support our efforts with a recurring monthly donation, please visit cfhou.com slash Patreon. Your contributions help us offset the costs of producing the weekly webcast and will also help us fund new projects that we have in the works. Thank you for your generosity, Darby, and all of our patrons. Okay, Gail, fin you. final thoughts on empty nests or reclaimed... Uh, reclaimed space. Reclaimed space. An emptiness is really just a type of transition and everybody goes through them. And whether it's about your kids or it's about your mobility or it's about your age or your parents or whatever it is, there's going to be some point where you look at rooms in your house and go, yeah, we're not using that room anymore. Or yeah, that room is not going to be used for that purpose anymore. And what do I want to do instead? And seeing this as an evolution of your living space and supporting who you want to be, going back to that room and imagining all the new possibilities instead of dwelling in what feels like the loss, you can acknowledge the loss and then you can help yourself move past it by imagining what the room could be instead and moving towards that goal. If you do it about an empty nest, you're just going to be helping your kids move along as well and grow up, which is a good thing for them. <laughs> Darn right. Good luck on it. <clears throat> okay, so let's talk about an assignment for this week. And our, the topic is those storage spaces that aren't really meant to be storage spaces. Like the oven or the bathtub or the dishwasher. <laughs> there, are, there are places where people have co-opted the original purpose of this space or appliance or room to become something else so that you can use it for storage. And I am always quite astonished when I open the oven and it's full of um, kitchen appliances or I or paperwork <laughs> or I open the dishwasher and that's where they store all the cookie sheets or, or the wedding china 
or the <laughs> right or the guest. It's astonishing to me what I've found in people's bathtubs. Truly, like people just go, "Oh, we don't need a bath. Let's just put a whole bunch of other stuff in it." And so this is a place in terms of this idea of storage space created out of something else weird. It's really a signal to you that you don't have enough storage space or you're keeping too much for your house. So if you started getting uber creative about the places where you store stuff and you are using something like an oven or a bathtub to store paperwork or clothes, then you have to ask yourself, okay, what am I doing? Why is this space exactly how it is? So we encourage you to identify such a space or a piece of furniture or a large appliance that's being used as a storage space instead of the purpose that for which it's intended. And let's try to reclaim that space and make the bathtub a bathtub again. <laughs> so a space that's converted to storage is this large blinking sign, right, that you have too much stuff. And you may want to keep the stuff that you find in the bathtub, but keeping it there reflects the larger problem of having too much stuff. So Figuring out whether you need to keep what's there and where it really should be stored is today's task. If it's in the bathtub because you can't put it every, anywhere else, there's no place else for it to go, what if you could? Think about what if you could put it where it needs to go. What space needs to be cleared out so that the stuff in the bathtub can go where it's supposed to go? You have a backup of storage somewhere, so now's the time to figure out where that backup is and why clothes in the bathtub is a necessity in your house. <laughs> so pick your converted storage area, then examine the items that you're storing there and answer a few questions. Is there a more appropriate place I could keep this? What could I gain by getting rid of these items? Is there another space that needs clearing out instead so that I can put these where they're supposed to go? Give that a shot and let's see if you can come back and tell me some funny stories about things that you found in your bathtub. Or maybe you can come and tell me a creative um, converted space that I haven't thought of before. Okay. <clears throat> we are out of time. I want to remind everyone we'll be back next week, Tuesday, January 19th, 2021 at noon U.S. Central Time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com Facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com subscribe. We love to hear from you, so please keep those questions and topic suggestions and contest entries coming in the YouTube comments on Facebook or anywhere else that you find us. And you can always reach us through the website at clutterfairhouston.com. We are so glad that you came to listen to us talk today. And we are eagerly reading all the submissions for the homework assignment names. Thank you so much for doing that. We're still uh, making the list and trying to decide which one grabs our fancy. So thank you for everybody that's participating. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. -bye.